0: to And The Winner Isn't, a podcast for the movie aisle in which we, that's Marie and Dan, take a look back at a film that didn't win the Oscar in the category in which it was nominated and try to decide whether our choice would have been a more worthy winner. Hi, Dan.
1: Hi, Marie. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm doing okay. Thank you very much. We've got no sunshine, pouring rain. You're sitting there with the waves lapping behind you. It's not making me feel very good at all.
1: Oh, the beauty of uh, digital technology and what you can do with it in your home office when you're bored out of your mind.
0: Indeed. So yeah, it's been a it's been a strange couple of weeks, but um, August is nearly over and things are getting supposed to be getting back to whatever normal is, but I don't know what that's going to look like. So agreed. We'll see. This week, uh, it was my choice of film and I went into the 90s. And actually, the film I chose was one that I don't think I saw when it first came out, but I saw it a couple of times shortly after. And it stuck with me for a number of reasons. And I selected 1995's Apollo 13 as the film which should have won Best Picture Oscar.
1: Apollo 13 flight controllers. Give me a go no go for launch. You know that Easter vacation trip we had planned for Acapulco? Uh uh. Procedures? Go. Control? Go, flight. There might be a slight change in destination. Really? Maybe
0: say the moon.
1: Go! <gasps> Booster? Go. Retro We're go flight GNC We're go And I take the controls and I steer it around FAO We're go flight For a nice, soft landing on the moon Better than the Armstrong. Does it bother you that the public regards this flight as routine? There's nothing routine about flying to the moon, I can vouch for that
0: Launch control, this is Houston, we are go for
1: launch going to the moon this is the crew of the apollo 13 wishing everyone back on earth uh, a pleasant evening uh houston we have a problem we got a wicked shimmy up here houston we are venting something out into space it's definitely a gas of some sort it's like the heart rates are skyrocketing the apollo 13 spacecraft
0: is power about- john do you have any statistics for us
1: Absolutely. So 1995 was a good year. I was finishing undergrad for the first time. Uh, Braveheart won, as you know, the Mel Gibson Men in Skirts epic.
0: Yeah. I'm going to
1: go on record and tell you the best film of the year didn't even get nominated because the Academy didn't know what to do with itself and how to put this kind of film in a best picture category at that point in time. And that was Toy Story oh wow (laughs) but I've got a whole bunch of other uh from the list of 95 that should have been nominated and worked you're not going to get uh probably too much of an argument from me here uh but I did enjoy Braveheart and from the five that were listed I would have said that was the best film of the year really so, IMDb, as you know, says that NASA must devise a strategy to return Apollo 13 to Earth safely after the spacecraft undergoes massive internal damage, putting the lives of the three astronauts on board in jeopardy. They gave it 7.6 stars out of 10.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, directed by the great and one of my all time favorites, Ron Howard. Richie Cunningham. Uh, yes, or <laughs> Opie before that, Opie <laughs> Taylor. Um, Written for the screen by William Braylis Jr. and Al Reinert, based on books by Jeffrey Kluger and Jim Lovell, who is uh, played by Tom Hanks brilliantly in this film, uh, one of the astronauts in the Apollo 13 mission. This movie stars Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon, Ed Harris, Gary Sinise, and Kathleen Quinlan. Cinematography by Dean Cundy, Nominated for nine Academy Awards, It won two for editing and sound, Mm -hmm. and uh, it should have won three. Kathleen Quinlan was brilliant, magnificent. I could watch her uh, read names and numbers from the phone book all day long. Should have won, didn't. Uh, More about that later. Yep. For now, um, I think that's all I'll say about that. Take it away. Why do you think this was the best picture of 1995 and not? Well,
0: just, I think we'll just mention the other films which were nominated in that category, just so that we're clear. Um, Sense and Sensibility was nominated. That's the Emma Thompson version of that, which I mean is a great, it's a lovely film. It's, you know, I, I, I adore Jane Austen. It, it's, but it, and it's good. There's nothing, nothing wrong with it at all. But it was just as easily a BBC Sunday Evening production.
1: Yeah. I agree 100%. Um,
0: yeah. Um, another nomination was Il Postino and I th- I always think it's interesting when foreign language films are nominated for the best picture category. I used to use Il Postino as a uh, for teaching when I used to teach Italian. And it is a lovely film. It is it is really really lovely, but lovely is the word. It doesn't it doesn't grab. It doesn't it's not the kind of thing you think, oh yeah, I really want to see that again. You know, and
1: I agree with you. Miramax Pictures, the studio behind that film, spent an awful lot of money uh, campaigning for that one and and pulled it off. And I think that that speaks to it. It is a lovely film. Probably better should have been served in the best foreign language film category because, as I said earlier, I, I think there are several films that were left off the list that were worthy of a nomination and could have won had it been a different year
0: indeed and the fact that it got a nomination even is 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 great i think that was its award really for this year um and the other one that we have mentioned is babe
1: i love bacon marie
0: <laughs> and i'm vegetarian so you know oh that that'll do now yeah. that'll do dan
1: that'll do uh, um, i forgot to mention though this film was rated pg it runs at a long 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 2 hours and 20 minutes they didn't even nuts. know what to do with it on imdb IMDB they put it in the adventure drama and history categories all in one try to find that on an aisle I'm (laughs) sure that the list is limited and it was released uh on June 30th 1995.
0: Okay yeah so I I picked it because Braveheart won and I think Braveheart is such a mangled mess of history and accents (laughs) that it should not have gone apart, and that's not even to mention Mel Gibson. But you know, um, oh. I think um, Apollo thirteen was a more worthy winner for that. I think it. I mean, I love I love me a space story anyway, and a true you know true stories like this are even better. Um, the people who were involved in it, so Jim Lovell in particular, you know, he was part of the consultation it was his book he's even in it very briefly Um, yes we see the back of his head and his ear um but he is in it so it and also i chose it because this is the 50th anniversary of that event this year um and i've been following i don't know um if anybody who's any one of our listeners knows it but the bbc world service um Last year, did a commemorative ser- podcast series of, of episodes about Neil Armstrong's moon landing, and it's called 13 Minutes to the Moon, where they traced over a period of seven or eight episodes the last 13 minutes. And everything that led up to it, and, and it, it, it dissected it down to the, you know, second by second, what was happening with everything. It was fascinating. And so then, so that was for the 50th year of the first moon landing. And then this year, they did the same thing for this. And they had it timed. I'll put a link to it in, the, in our notes. But they did, um, they had timed it so that the episode about the return to Earth's atmosphere was going to happen on the was going to be broadcast on the 15th the 13th of april or something to coincide with everything and then the very final episode that everything got wrapped up where they had the reacquisition and, and was due to be broadcast but the guy who does it kevin fong is actually um a medical doctor as well as a broadcaster and so the the world was in lockdown and he couldn't finish doing i don't know if it was the voiceovers or the editing or whatever but he couldn't finish the final episode because he was actually in hospital treating sick people so we had to wait until june for the final episode to wrap everything up so they've in one sense they've been coming back to earth i've been listening to them coming back to earth for about three months um, with this podcast which is fascinating gets all the tension right and then i wanted to see what that looked like on film and when I rewatched it, I thought, "This is incredible." How, I mean, we're—I'm old enough to remember, vaguely remember something being wrong, I don't remember the ins and outs live, but I remember saying to my mum, "Mum, what, what, will they will they get back safe?" And to think that even though you know what's what happens, it, it, the tension is still there. I think that's what makes it really good.
1: I love Ron Howard films. People have bashed Solo, his uh, his Star Wars directorial contribution. And I tell them every time that we have that conversation, they're wrong. Ron Howard hasn't made a bad picture, uh, in my opinion. And this is certainly worthy. I just did not find that this story adds up to all of the credentials that I need to be the best picture. Um, The cast is brilliant. It's well played. It is shot beautifully. I mean, if you didn't know that it was a Hollywood picture, you would have thought that the space stuff, the takeoff, the launch was all real. But if you yeah. watch the extras feature and they talk to you how they layered and did that, it is masterful. Yeah, And I do believe that they won for their editing. Um, they were nominated for their special effects, visual effects. They didn't win. Excuse me. I stand corrected. But, you know, the cast was fabulous. And, and, and as I was watching it, and I hadn't seen it in a number of years, there were a lot of actors who I thought, I know that voice. I, and, and then I tried to play the what are they acting in now that I've seen since? You know, so um, one of the support guys at NASA plays Agent Furnell on one of my favorite shows, NCIS, um, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Forgive me he, if he's listening. I apologize. Uh, but then, as always, Ron Howard slips his brother in, Clint Howard, who's a reputable character actor around Hollywood, and he even went so far as to put his mother in he did. this picture, <laughs> um, and she plays uh, Tom Hanks's character, uh, Jim Lovell's mother and I thought she was brilliant as well. So, you know, I mean, I, I can't knock the fact that this is a wonderful film. It just was a little bit too long for me, and I don't think, I don't think that it beats Braveheart when it comes to this list. Now, again, I said to you before, the best picture of 1995 was Toy Story, but just so that I can add a little bit more fuel to this conversation, listen to the list of other films released in 95. I'll let you decide or or choose, and we can banter this, which one should have gotten Best Picture nods. Not all of them, but just for the sake of it. Okay. Clueless. (laughs) Seven. Heat. The Usual Suspects, which I thought should have gotten a Best Picture nomination. Uh, Kevin Spacey did win an Academy Award for his performance in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's not uh, maybe the best name to be mentioning at the current times, but he was brilliant in that film. Uh, I could watch Sandra Bullock every day for the rest of my life and while you were sleeping uh was her contribution to the film (laughs) community in 1995. we had uh bad boys here's one for the times outbreak about uh (laughs) something that was released into society and uh we know how that goes oh my Uh, god casino um don't tell my sons this but showgirls was released in 1995. (laughs) 12 Monkeys, which had uh, a -a once-in-a-lifetime performance by Brad Pitt, which he was nominated but didn't win. Uh, Tommy Boy, Batman Forever. Here's one for uh, my British friends, GoldenEye. One of Pierce Brosnan's last uh, James Bond efforts. Leaving Las Vegas. Here's one for uh, several of my friends at work. Friday. (laughs) a great comedy if you haven't seen it definitely go check that one out they made several sequels but the first one was definitely the best mr holland's opus which is uh i know you you don't like how hollywood portrays teachers because most of the time they get it wrong but this was a feel good one and uh starred richard dreyfus and then uh who could forget nixon Oh, yeah! Yeah, another brilliant film from 95 that uh, didn't make the cut. I don't even think the Academy got it right when they put the five together they did. But from the list that they did, I'm going to have to disagree with you and say that they got it right.
0: That's a good year, isn't it? It is. I rewatched Heat um, just last week, actually. I'm doing um, a rewatch of all Pacino films from (laughs) the start. And I've got as far as I'm just looking over there now. So Heat was the last one I watched. So that's where I've got up to. City Hall is next. But I really liked Heat, although I think I think I like that for for De Niro more than Pacino in that. I think De Niro is absolutely top notch in that. He's so cold, and the the female characters are not good. Um, They're not. But
1: what have- is portrayed brilliantly by. Uh- Kentucky's own Ashley Judd. So shout out to one of my homegirls.
0: <laughs> She's probably the best of them. The thing is, they're not given. The characters are so slight, slight I agree with you. Completely. <laughs> I agree they with. Don't you. have anything to, to. You know, Amy Brenneman's character would not would not have. have
1: I couldn't um, agree with you more.
0: But having said that, uh, yeah, Ashley Judd's good. Even Val Kilmer is good in this. So yeah, he was was a bit of an oversight, to be honest. I'm just going to look and see what other foreign films were nominated while we're there, just because that's me. That's my niche. I'd just like to have a look and see. So the, the winner was a film called Antonia's Line. What on earth? How can I never even have heard of it? All Things Fair from Sweden. Dust of Life from Algeria in French. Or oh, Quatrilho, apologies, I don't speak Portuguese, which is a Brazilian film. And the star maker was in Italian. So the Italian nomination for best picture was not, Italy was allowed to submit, oh no, Italy would have submitted the star maker, but didn't submit Il Postino.
1: Correct.
0: interesting. I'm still sticking with Apollo 13. I think a film that can make, I mean, I know what happens at the end, and I, it, had, it still had me in tears by the very final few moments. And I just think, how can that... And I've seen the film so many times before, and I know what happens in real life. And I still end up holding my breath for those final four minutes before the reacquisition, and then bursting into tears like Gene Kranz does. Just watching that, I think it's fascinating. I also like... I think it's really sexy watching people being good at their jobs
1: and I think this is a
0: film from beginning to end which is about men and I mean men this time because (laughs) I was looking there wasn't even one in the background but people they were all whatever job they were doing they were all really good at it and they just got on and did it and I just think I love watching people being really good at their jobs
1: I couldn't agree with you more on that either
0: are you superstitious? I don't think so. I think the only thing was maybe a little bit goofy about the number of the car broke down and then she lost her ring. And it was just like, yeah, well, at least as long as we don't lose another engine, we'll be fine. That
1: kind you of know, thing. and you would think that um, watching that, oh, here's Hollywood hokey, mm. uh, But it turns out that all of those events actually happened, um, which, you know, when I watched it the first time and then when I rewatched it here just last night, actually, um, I said to myself oh, why did Hollywood go and make them stick that in there just to get a little bit more time out of it? But they were already over two hours. So, you know, the one hour and 40 kind of people, you know, are satisfied with an hour and 40 minute movie, two hours and 20 minutes by today's standards, that's nothing. You know, they added that in, but then you watch the extras and you read the books. And sure enough, these people say that that happened and why not? I, for one, like to look at it as an Egyptian, from the Egyptian point of view, which is 13 is a lucky number. Mm. Uh, It just so happens that probably most of the rest of society in the world doesn't. And unfortunately, this, uh, this befalls this group as it did. Um, You know, and and as they say in the story, I think it was Tom Hanks's character reading the last lines of Lovell's book there at the very end in the voiceover, that the um, piece of the equipment that broke had been made two years prior, and had been in the course of the construction of this project, this rocket, had basically not been touched you know they do their checks but um this thing wasn't something they could have controlled anyway
0: yeah
1: so you know the irony as you say maybe the superstition of it I don't know I mean I, I believe in a lot of things I don't consider myself to be superstitious no I, except I'm not it comes to not shaving after you know having not lost a baseball game with my little league team in in weeks now <laughs> so that's What accounts for the facial hair this week, if you were wondering? We just haven't lost. And I told him I wouldn't shave until we do.
0: (laughs) That's what Bjorn Borg used to do at Wimbledon. He he never shaved until he lost, which is why when he won his five Wimbledons, he always had this beard thing because because he never lost at Wimbledon.
1: Interesting. I didn't know that about him. Now Mm. I I appreciate him even more. Yeah, absolutely. I know I'm supposed to pick you apart on this, but, uh, you know, it's it's a a feel-good film and, you know,
0: so what I'm curious about then is why Braveheart is is a long film as well. So if if your criticism of this is that it's long,
1: no, my my, my criticism is that I got tired in it. It seemed, oh,
0: okay.
1: it just seemed drawn out,
0: like real you life know? just getting in the way of things. Is that what you say? Well, and in the <laughs> confined
1: space that it was. I mean, you know, obviously we're talking about William Wallace's eighteen months of. Uh, you know, being on the map and fighting all the major groups that he fought. Um, you know, you can mace a guy to death. You can spear him. You can stab him with a sword. You can clunk him over the head with your shield. Uh, you can punch his lights out. You can take your helmet off and bash his brains in. You know, these things all from the violence perspective and category <laughs> can be redone <laughs> and trampled with your horse. Uh, you can do these things over and over and drag it out, and it doesn't seem repetitive. In the same kind of context as being confined in a space gadget that uh, you know is the size of my dining room, yeah, that might be a, an exaggeration slightly, but
0: yeah, the confined space didn't doesn't give a lot to play with, but then that's actually what happened, so
1: you are correct,
0: which is why I think it's brilliant, and I, I was watching it thinking, how did they film that zero gravity because when they're doing all the zero gravity stuff, of course. I was at least put in mind of um, Gravity, that
1: was, right.
0: it was called Gravity, wasn't it? I, I, yes. Yes. The, the George
1: Clooney.
0: Yeah, they had the big gimbal. yeah, yeah, of course, um, but they had the big gimbals to give all this weightlessness and they were strapped up and everything. And I'm thinking, how did they do that with this in 1995? And then it turns out they actually just took the, the plane, they have this special plane where they can they drop the altitude really quickly. And it kind of it gives you for a few seconds this feeling. And they filmed all of those bits really in zero gravity, but artificially and just it just made me gasp in astonishment that they'd actually managed to do that. And you know, it look and it looks so absolutely incredible.
1: It, and it does. Um... Uh, It is a testament to the commitment that the entire cast and crew made to this film and the making of this film. And, and, you know, it will stand the test of time, but for the sake of argument, I don't think of those films that it was the best. Um, There's no doubt about it. I mean, what they went through and how they did that without having to use wires, probably worth every penny that they paid. Yeah. Uh, Again, just for personal choices. I, I think, I think Braveheart, takes it by nose, if I could use a horse racing analogy
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. two weeks
1: before our derby.
0: Oh, are you serious? Have they moved it to?
1: The first week, uh, the first Saturday in September this year. I but did
0: not know they had moved the, it.
1: The governor has announced that it will be spectatorless. Originally, they had downsized the crowd, and now they have said no. Are they doing the thunder? Uh, no thunder. No fact. <sighs> They're gonna do the Oaks and the Derby without the spectators, other than you know the horse people that are the owners, the trainers. Yeah, so you'll have to watch it on TV like the rest of us.
0: Are you telling me then that you, if you were in a situation where you had men by your side and it was a match of life and death, you would rather it was Mel Gibson than Tom Hanks?
1: In who- oh, no way, no shape, no no how, no. I'm not saying that whatsoever, but that's not a critique or a requirement for picking a best picture, is it? I want to share with with you while I've got you laughing, uh, something that that the hostess um, that year for the Academy Awards uh, was Whoopi Goldberg. She had come back after, uh, I think, some criticism in her first go, and, and the critics really responded well. This is something that she said during the show, and I just want to share it with you. It's a little bit off topic, but since we've gone off topic already. I quote, Sharon Stone gets nominated for playing a hooker for the movie Casino. Elizabeth Shue gets nominated for playing a hooker leaving Las Vegas. Mira Sorvino gets nominated for playing a hooker in Mighty Aphrodite, which she won. How many times did Charlie Sheen vote? (laughs) End quote. You can get away with a lot at these
0: award ceremonies. It's funny. And poor old Uncle Uncle Tom didn't even get a nomination.
1: Which Uncle Tom are you referring?
0: Tom Hanks, Uncle Tom Hanks. Everybody's Uncle Tom. Hard to believe.
1: Yes, no, I I, I was shocked. I look at this list: Nicolas Cage, Richard Dreyfus, Anthony Hopkins, Sean Penn, and Massimo Dorisi for Il Postino. For I think Postino. that might have been that might have been the shocker. But Nick Cage won for his portrayal of a man wanting to drink himself to death and leaving las vegas
0: i mean i can see that i can see that
1: were nominated in the acting department for this film was ed harris who was brilliant um Aww. i think i think gary sinise gave a brilliant performance as well that he was so looked and then we've already mentioned kathleen quinlan in an interesting year uh i remember this one well when mira servino won and People were criticizing that she was the lead role. Why did she get a supporting actress nod? And all of the women that were nominated that year in that category gave, I thought, brilliant performances. So mm, yeah. anyway, I would have given it to Quinlan, but that's my bias for your pick.
0: Yeah, she was good. She was very good because it's kind of, you know, the the poor wife at home role is is thankless. And yet, yeah, she did it really, the, really
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, she's the that holds the family together.
0: Yeah. Rachel McAdams is, is, takes a lot of those roles in the past few years. You know, she's always somebody's wife, who's key in one way or another. And you think that's an absolutely thankless task, and yet, you know, she does it really well, and Kathleen Quinlan did this really well, too.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, would have, I would have given the directing Oscar to Ron Howard. I know that, that 1995 was right in the middle of Hollywood's if you win Best Picture, you're probably going to win Best Director. And I think Mel Gibson... Uh, benefited from that streak Um, if you go back and you look at some of the extras on both of their dvds braveheart was a lot computer generated and i I think ron howard you know was working with actual sets um the steadicam stuff that they do in nasa headquarters in in houston uh, was brilliant filmmaking I, i would have given my academy award that year to to howard for director but um he wasn't even nominated he was not he was snubbed Uh, The DGA got it right, though, the Directors Guild of America, and and they gave him the award for Best Director as he should have. Yeah. I think there was more controversy around this year, 1995's class, than any that I can remember at that point in time in recent Mm. movie history, you know, um, as we've already discussed this interesting choice of top five films. On my list, three of them don't make it.
0: It's a strange one. It is rare, I think. That is when you were listing all those films. I mean, I don't like them all, but I think it's the strongest one of the strongest years we've had so far. The breadth of it, I think, definitely. I agree. Um, But so there's no convincing you, is there? You like Apollo 13, but there's no convincing you.
1: I'm going to say at this moment in time, no
0: fine that's okay that's okay
1: and maybe You're- it's the scottish blood that runs through my veins i don't know
0: <laughs> it's well freedom
1: it's marie well freedom
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> almost non-existent now. <laughs> well okay I, I i'll leave that with you i can't be persuaded to change my mind for brave heart anyway that's for sure but, so i'm sticking with um apollo 13 that's
1: definite cheers to that i you know i respect your your take on this you're you're not it's a it's a mild disagreement marie that's fine if we're we're establishing a scale here of uh i'll go with mild lukewarm lukewarm (laughs) disagreement
0: (laughs) so where do we go from here then
1: well i'm gonna take us next time on a journey through the cornfields of 1989. <laughs> if you build it, Marie, they will come. Is
0: that right?
1: Yeah, driving Miss Daisy Wan, but it should have been Field of Dreams. Should have been Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Marie, we're building a following. They will come.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I've not seen a live baseball game for such a long time.
1: I do love <laughs> Have you seen a live one since I last took you to game? Uh, no, no. It's been no. some time then.
0: It's been a long time. I mean, I've seen little bits on the TV, but you know mm. the atmosphere and the,
1: yeah, I'd like to. Go I am, game. I am itching to get to a live baseball game, and not just little leaguers. You know, they're fun to watch and goof around with, but to see how the game's really designed to be played by the people who get paid to do it. Yeah. Uh, television baseball isn't quite the same, but uh, on a forty-foot tall movie screen. You'd be surprised what you can do with a field of corn. <laughs> Good looking people.
0: It's not about baseball though, is it? I think we'll discover when we go and watch it again.
1: Exactly. This won't be a tough one for me to convince you. Really? You heard it, you heard it here first.
0: Uh, okay. Well, um, we'll see how it goes. Great. So thank you very much for all of that. Um, I really, really, really am sorry that I couldn't convince you that Braveheart is really, really not worth it. It's very, very overrated, overdone. uh, Very, um, very... And I love Scotland, don't get me wrong. I do, I love Scotland. But interesting fact about that, the actor who plays Robert Bruce in the film Braveheart was in a film, I don't know whether it was last year or earlier this year, called... So it was just called the Bruce or Robert Bruce. Anyway, a film about that character, kind of a side character, and it's played by the same actor.
1: I want to say his name is Seamus. Seamus.
0: Angus, I think. Angus. Angus
1: Angus McGinn. I think. Yes, there it is. That's it. Um, He also has a very interesting role on a side note in a in a Showtime miniseries, or not miniseries, but television series called. Californication, but <laughs> that's probably not for this audience. Californication Coven-
0: <laughs> sounds like it has David Coverney. I was just going to say, yeah, that <laughs> yeah
1: <like> right. It. <laughs> anyway, that's another discussion for another time, and probably not for this podcast <laughs> and our young uh, listeners at home.
0: Right. Okay. So um, we'll say goodbye for this time and um, come back in a couple of weeks when uh, we'll have uh, dreamt our dreams of fields and. Um, have driven, Miss Daisy, and we'll see whether we can reach a conclusion on that. But I think we're going to have to call this one a draw for today. So thanks for listening. Um, I'm still on Twitter at ReesyPie. If you're on Letterboxd, I'm using the same name there. Dan's still um, steering clear of all this stuff, I think. Yeah. For now. For now, we can't convince him yet. So. Uh, yep. But check us out at themovieisle.com and come back in a couple of weeks to. Uh, here is us talk about the Dreams. thanks everybody for listening bye-bye
1: thank you all see you next time
0: original music composed and performed by martha o'sullivan